from the magnificent Midwest, it's the Suzanne Venker Show, where men and women are equal in value but wildly different by nature. Join us here every week when we challenge the culture's hugely flawed narratives about men, women, sex, and love. From coast to coast and from around the world, thank you for joining us. So real quickly, I want to talk to you guys about cancel culture. If you're anything like me, you you see the shutting down of voices that don't comply with the PC narrative and feel helpless to do anything about it. So I'm just going to give you an example of an email I received the other day from the Gurian Institute. And it essentially explained how they wrote a meme or you know, created a meme that um, for both Twitter and Facebook, just for social media. And it says here, um, in an effort to bring awareness to programs that exist for women and do not exist for men, GIBM, which is the Gurian Institute for Boys and Men, released the following meme on Twitter to address some of the programs that support women and continue to ignore the needs of men. And it got a lot of impressions, like 70,000 impressions. So then they boosted this same meme on Facebook and it started to gain some traction and it said, unfortunately, Facebook rejected the boosted meme after initially accepting it. The meme was not removed from our Facebook page, but Facebook decided they would not continue the boost. And then they provided this generic response as to why they neglected or why they're failing to boost it further. One of which was, quote, your ad may have been rejected if it mentions sensitive social issues that could influence public opinion or how people vote and may impact the outcome of an election. Which, of course, I had to laugh. It's not funny, but I had to laugh because I'm thinking that's exactly what the media does every day, right? Influences the entire country's brain as to how they should not just vote, but think. And so basically Facebook is saying, you know, you can't do that here, you know, but we can do that elsewhere. That's fine. Like, it's okay that it's in the media, um, but we don't want to be a party to it. But of course they are a party to it because they only do that when the um, material in question is not, you know, is, is, is it goes against the status quo. So that's an example of cancel culture. And there are tons of other examples and I don't need to, Lamb a lot for you. You guys know what I'm talking about. And the reason why I'm mentioning this is that if you're as concerned about this as I am and you feel the need to do something, supporting the show is a great way to do that. Because as you know, we're all about facing truths the media and the culture won't because it doesn't fit their agenda. So in order to do that, places like, I mean, podcasts like this, I should say, are literally our only avenue in as far as reach goes to support other like-minded people. So I know that a lot of you feel as strongly as I do. And I'm thinking that you might feel, you know, helpless to what, what the heck can I do? And so supporting the show is a great way to do that. Just go to suzannebanker.com slash podcast and scroll down to the red become a Patreon supporter button. And you'll find four very economical levels to choose from. And depending on which tier you choose, we offer giveaways and bonus episodes and Q and A's with me. And shout outs on the show, by the way. Again, that's SuzanneBenker.com slash podcast. And speaking of Patreon supporters, a big shout out to Jim and Tony and Eileen. Thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting the Suzanne Benker show. I can't tell you how much it means to me. And now on with the show. So today we're going to talk about 
three hugely unpopular life decisions that lead to huge success. And the underpinning of all of this, if you want to be successful, especially as a woman, but this is true for men as well, in life, it requires thinking outside the box. Okay, because if you follow the cultural script, and you all know this, because this is what we talk about on the Suzanne Banker show, you will absolutely fail. Because the culture lies, it tells you everything opposite of what it certainly used to say and tell you 50 years ago. And so because our culture has devolved in the way that it has, we can no longer count on that support system, which is really unfortunate, obviously. But at the end of the day, I still want you to be successful. I wanted to be successful in the things that I wanted to accomplish in my life. And so that required thinking differently and being comfortable with thinking differently and not needing to be concerned with what people think of you. Um, And that's, to be fair, a tall order, you know, especially the younger you are, the younger you are, the harder it is to not care what people think. That tends to come more with maturity. Um, My friends like to tell me I was born old. So for me, it was just (laughs) never an issue. Um, I just don't care what people think. So of me, you know, um, I just want, I just want a life that works. And I know, and I knew early on how to make that happen, not just because I, you know, I was just so, you know, brilliant or anything, but I actually had a mother who steered me in the right direction and who gave really smart common sense counter cultural advice all along the way, because she's just like me in that regard. She definitely beats to her own drum, created her own life for what she wanted. And then she will tell you the truth and pass on what did work and what didn't work so that you can, you know, be successful. It was actually, she had kind of an interesting background. I think I might've mentioned this at some point in the past, but at any rate, she, she, um, she became a stockbroker. She has a MBA, had an MBA. Both my parents are gone now. Um, my, my father was a CPA with Pricewaterhouse and my mother was a stockbroker. So I'm going to do a whole nother podcast at some point about, about money and being successful in that realm, because I really feel like I had a leg up with, with <laughs> what they, my parents did for a living. But my mom married later and had me later and my sister later. So she actually ended up being in that professional world for about 15 years. And then she quit when my sister and I, well, when my sister was five, I was three. And she quit her career at that point and stayed home from that point on. So, but because she married later, she had about 15 years in there total. Um, and so I, I'm bringing it up to say that um, she she liked to say that she did things backwards and that she had her career first and then she married later and had kids. I don't know if she, in retrospect, would have gone that route. I know she regretted waiting um, and having children later because it was very hard for her for a lot of reasons. <laughs> Just it's harder when you're older. Um, but anyway, all of which is to say she would raise me with all of this, you know, all of this wisdom about these big life decisions regarding work and family and marriage and all the rest in a way that I guess my contemporaries weren't getting. And this in turn allowed me to be successful in the areas that I wanted to be successful and not get stuck down the line. Okay. So thinking outside the box is number one. You you just have to be able to do that. The second piece to this is planning ahead. Planning ahead 
is critical to making smart decisions in your life because um, the choices that you make early on about love and career will have a domino effect, unquestionably. So the problem is that I truly believe that most people just fly by the seat of their pants. You know, they're just sort of on autopilot and they're not encouraged to think ahead. They don't have a lot. They didn't have a mom like mine who did things the way she did it and passed on what she passed on. And so they just sort of followed the culture or didn't get much advice from their parents. Um, and, and, and as a result got themselves sort of in a pickle later. And I see this constantly in my coaching that they're just basically made decisions early on that they're sort of stuck with later, feel stuck with, they really aren't stuck. Um, but it makes it much harder to extricate themselves from, from whatever it is they don't want to be, you know, embroiled in at this point, not when they're 35 or 40. So thinking outside the box and planning ahead, this are, this is critical in order to map out a life that essentially allows you to have one, right? Do you want to have a life? I mean, you want to have a life, presumably, you want to have um, something for yourself, presumably, and you'd like to get married and have a family. I mean, these are really kind of basic things that most women want, most people want. Um, I, you know, we're all unique and different and have different um, interests and different values and priorities. But generally speaking, you know, I think if you asked young people, they'd all say, yeah, I want to get married. I want to have a family. I'd like to have um, some sort of professional life. I, you know, I, I want to be, I want to build wealth, you know, just, just sort of, just sort of basic desires. Um, okay. So now we're going to talk about what those three hugely unpopular life decisions that lead to huge success are. Okay. Ready? Number one, choose a career based on your future family plans. I'm going to say that again. Choose a career based on future family plans. Now this, this works for both women and men. Um, but it will manifest itself a little differently. So I'm going to, I'm going to do it from the woman's point of view since I am a woman and that's what I did and explain what I mean about why this is such a hugely unpopular life decision that leads to huge, huge success. Excuse me. I was thinking about mapping out a life around marriage and motherhood or, you know, yeah, marriage and motherhood when I was in college. Talk about hugely unpopular. Um, did I have people who just sort of looked at me funny? Sure. Sure. I didn't care. The reality is I knew what I wanted. I wanted a family to be the focus of my life. I wanted to be married. I wanted to have kids. I want to stay home with the kids. I wanted a tight, close-knit, healthy, functioning family. And there are reasons why I felt very strongly about that. We're not going to get into that here, but suffice it to say, that's what I wanted. I also knew that I was very a very ambitious person. And I'm ambitious. And when I talk about ambition, I don't mean climbing career ladders per se to get to the top. I mean, just, I have a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm. When I was young, they thought I had ADHD before ADHD was a thing. Um, and my mom used to say, it's like, I have a genie inside me because you're just always moving and you need to do things. So it was, it's definitely part of my personality to just um, move and keep doing things. I don't like to sit around. 
But that ambition can be channeled. You know, that word ambition does not have to have to uh, be associated with making money. That's another big thing about that word that really bothers me that we don't explain well. You can be ambitious in any number of of areas of life, whether money is related to it or not. It's just simply about your drive to work and to do something and to produce something. So I was, I guess I would say I'm, I'm equally ambitious in the professional world and in the personal world realm, let's say, but my priority between those two was my kids and my husband, my husband first, actually, then my kids, spouse first, then kids. Um, cause your family's only as strong as your marriage. So, so in order to, so even though I knew I was always going to work outside the home in some capacity, and by the way, I used to be a teacher. That was what I graduated. That's the degree I got in college. And I taught for a number of years before I um, stopped. So that was the original plan, but it was just all based around marriage and kids. So this of course is not a popular thing to do at all in the modern world. And it wasn't even then this was the eighties. So prior to that, I think it was very normal up until that point. If you were headed to college as a woman, that was a very common thing to do, but it certainly wasn't in my day. And it absolutely is not today. So what the reason I mentioned that is because that whole way I looked at things and mapped out my life turned out to be a huge boon for me. It's because I started early and was willing to go against what other people were doing and think differently and think ahead, think long-term that landed me where I am. Cause people often ask me like, how did you, you know, how is it that you have a, a happy marriage, um, close relationship with your kids. And then you also have this career. And that's the answer. That is simply the answer. I planned ahead and I was comfortable thinking differently than what I was told to think. So that, um, so that's what I mean by the first unpopular life decision. You're thinking about your career based on your future family plans, not the other way around, which is what women and men, but especially women are taught to do, which is career, 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 and just, you know, sort of hope to get the marriage and kids. Somehow they're going to just by osmosis fit in there somehow. I don't know how, <laughs> but it's supposed to just, it doesn't work. Needless to say, um, you have to be thoughtful about what it is you want, because whatever you focus on is what you will ultimately manifest. I mean, you can't guarantee that everything's going to go the way you want it to go. And it didn't for me, I had to regroup and make, you know, I had to, you know, mistakes were made, and I had to regroup, but I always had that goal in my mind. Okay, number two is, um, is an interesting one, because it doesn't, well, you'll, you'll see what I mean because it's actually something that I did and it didn't work out, but I'll explain what I mean. Number two is marrying younger as opposed to older. Now I want to specify exactly what I mean here. This is really important. Okay. Especially because I have a lot of friends whose, um, uh, whose children are now adults and they're in relationships and thinking about the future and my own included actually. And, um, I know they won't necessarily agree with me on this, or or maybe they would, but they just never thought about it. I don't know. But at any rate, when I say marrying younger, I don't mean at age 20. I, there, statistically speaking, when you marry but prior to the age of 25, your chances of divorce increase. So if you wait till you're 25, you're much better off. 
However, those are statistics and everybody's different and everybody's unique. And so, and of course, everybody thinks they're not going to be part of the statistics. So there's that problem. But in fairness to them, not everybody is. So it depends on some circumstances for sure. But generally speaking, I wouldn't um, advise it prior to 25. So when I say younger, I don't mean between 20 and 20 or between 18, God forbid, and 25. Somewhere around the age of 25. 24, 26, 27, you know, just basically in your 20s, as opposed to your 30s. And there are sound and good reasons for this. Now, before I tell you what those are, I'll back this up in full disclosure to say I did marry younger, and it did not work out. I was 23 when I married the first time, 27 when he and I divorced, we did not have children, and then 30 when I remarried. But the reason why that marriage failed. It, it it had to do with the age, but not on my part, <laughs> really on my then husband's part. Um, so, so it depends on, so the age is only relevant if both people are um, not able to, um, if, if both people are not thinking about marriage in the same way and their values and priorities aren't aligned if they're not both that way, then marrying younger is not a good idea. But if they both are, that's where um, that's where an exception could be made. Because I hear a lot of people, um, I know of a lot of people, I know that a lot of people, I should say, in the South do marry younger, and they come, tend to come from more religious families, and their whole f- mode of thinking is just so vastly different from um, the more modern views on men and women in relationships. So it's that attitude that you bring to the table about marriage, what it means, um, whether you're interested, capable, willing, all of the above, and your values and priorities align, that is the most important thing. And so for some people that can happen at 23 or 24. Um, so I just want to be I just want to be cautious by when I'm talking about the age. It's not like one exact age. It's it's just more about the mindset. But there that all that being said, there are specific reasons why marrying younger is unquestionably better, especially for women. Number one, the most obvious, your pool of men. The pool of men that you will have at 23 is dramatically different from the pool of men you will have available to you at 33. Nobody wants to tell this to women because they're not supposed to think about marriage, but they need to know this. You will never have, um, you will never be in a better position than when you are in your early 20s for potentially getting married. That dwindles with every year that goes by. And any 30-year-old, all the 30-year-old, roughly 30-year-old women who reach out to me for coaching knows this. I mean, they can vouch for this. It's not rocket science. It's just that nobody wants to say it. Second piece your fertility. Yes, there is such thing as a biological clock. And yes, you do need to pay attention to it. You will have a much easier time having children in your 20s than you will in your mid to late 30s. There's just no question about it. And if you want more than 1.5 kids, even more of a reason. Three, wealth building. I mentioned that a little bit before. I'm not talking about becoming rich per se. I'm talking about just becoming stable, um, debt-free, um, build, you know, just generally building towards something that you accrue over time as opposed to being bogged down in debt, which so many young people are today because they bring so much student debt to the table. Why? Because they focus so much on 
career, 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 and then they stay in school too long, and then they take on debt that they don't, they take on debt that they then later, that then later keeps them from being able to settle down, or it's, or, or they enter the marriage with a big, um, you know, negative right off the bat, because that's another huge problem in marriage is all the debt that young couples have. So the more you um, think forward about where you want to be 10 to 15 years down the road, when it comes to the decisions that you're making, for example, with school, the more likely you are to be successful, because you might think, okay, so I don't want to take on all this debt, because uh, the career I'm going to choose is not going to pay off, or B, I'm going to step out of the workforce, which I'm going to get to that in a minute, at some point. So I'm not going to be able to make money to then pay off that debt. So maybe you make a dis- different decision about what school you go to, what you can afford, as opposed to just blindly walking through life thinking, yeah, debt's normal. So I'm just going to, you know, go into debt. Um, okay. Uh, fourth thing, balancing work and family. That goes back to what I was saying before. If you really want to do that in the true sense of the word, and I really hate using the word balance because you're never going to balance them both simultaneously um, in a full-time capacity ever. That's just not, I don't, I don't believe that that's crap. It's not doable. That's, you know, it's just not going to work. So when I'm talking about balancing, balancing work and family, I'm talking about thinking of your life in the long haul. So 40, 50 years out, what do you want it to look like? at any given time? What do you see yourself doing 15 years down the road? How many children do you want? What do you want to be doing when you have those children? Do you envision yourself taking care of them part-time, full-time, none of the time? All those conversations with yourself and with the person that you're going to marry need to be ironed out prior to um, actually, rather than deciding, trying to make a decision last minute, when you haven't thought in advance for it. And so you end up in this pickle, like I'm saying, which is again, so much of what I'm seeing in millennials, they literally never thought this through because nobody encouraged them to. So they get stuck down the line because they made all these decisions without thinking long-term and counterculturally, long-term counterculturally. That's how you're going to be successful in this realm, in any realm really. But when it comes to, all of these things that we're talking about. Okay, third one. So just to recap, number one, choose a career based on future family plans. And I want to say, I want to say a real quick word for men on that too, by the way, because I've been focusing on women. You know, men have to pretty much do the same thing. It's just that because they are not the sex that's going to, um, give birth and breastfeed and, you know, care for the children when they're young, typically, um, their, their thought process is different, but they still need to consider the fact that if they choose path A, they, you know, let's, let's say they want to be extremely wealthy and that's their goal in life. Then they're not going to be typically a family man. They're going to be, um, absent on the home front. Their relationships at home will suffer. So, if you don't want that based on what your priority is, you will make, you know, decision A or decision B. Um, conversely, if you are, um, if the kind of work you're interested in is, you know, more creative work that doesn't pay well and you want to have a family down the line, 
this is what actually happened to my husband, my current and final husband. Um, it went in his twenties. In his he went one direction, realized it wasn't the spot for him, the place for him. So he ends up switching gears. If you are doing something that does not, is not going to allow you to have a family and you want to have a family and that's your focus, then you might not get to do the thing that you love to do, even though, um, I mean, because it doesn't pay enough for you to be able to support a family. So those are those are real um, decisions that men have to make as well when it comes to planning and thinking ahead. And I don't think we get we don't give any attention to the tough choices that men have to make as well. They are different kinds of choices for sure. Um, you have taken the account that one person's a man, one's a woman, and you're going to have different considerations. But at the end of the day, it's still going to come down to your priorities. And what do you want your life to look like? Seriously. I mean, that's just the case for both men and women. And, and, and again, we just don't encourage them to think not only counterculturally, but far out and enough in advance to warn them of what, what the fallout will be based on decisions that they're making in their 20s. Okay, three. This is so, so, so important. And I see it and hear about it all the time. And I find it so frustrating. But once again, because no one told them, it's not that people are stupid. It's that they just weren't, they just weren't steered well. That's really what it comes down to. Not making financial decisions based on two incomes. So because the whole concept of taking care or raising one's own children is so um, you know, it's considered either just something you wouldn't want to do or something that nobody can do for economic reasons that everybody has to work full time and year round. When I say everybody, I'm talking about married couples. Um, nobody even thinks about the fact that you're going to want to step out for X amount of years to raise those babies once you have them, that that is going to be a natural biological pull, mostly on the women and you need to plan in advance for that um, at least option. Forget requirement or obligation. Let's just talk about the option of it. The assumption is that you're not going to be able to, and then you're not going to want to. And so prior to young people having children together, they're making these decisions, not just individually, but also as couples when they're like prior to their having children, whether they're married or boyfriend, girlfriend, whichever, but especially married once they're married, but even as a boyfriend, girlfriend, as though they're always going to have two incomes. So for example, they buy a house. That's the most obvious one. They buy a house. And when they go to, you know, fill out the forms and see what they can afford, they base it on the fact that there's two incomes at that moment, rather than saying, wait a minute, there's another way to do this because a, are you going to want to stay home or not? If you are, we've got to account for that financially. And so A, you either don't get a house, you either purchase the home based on one income, even if you have two at the time, or B, it, putting the home issue aside, you live in such a way prior to having children where while you have those two incomes coming in, you only live on one. You live on primarily one income mentally and, and and actually monetarily preparing in advance for that person not being in the workforce in a matter of a few years. This is a such an obvious way to plan in advance for the life that you want. 
Um, it's a perfect answer, but nobody tells them that nobody wants to talk about it. They just, it just literally never even comes up. And so, and they don't think about it because they're not, they're, they're acculturated. They've been acculturated to not think like that. They've been acculturated to think always in terms of two incomes. I cannot tell you what a huge, massive mistake this is because most people will not, will regret that. That's what it comes down to. They'll regret it because they're not going to have the financial. It is true when you say for some people that they can't, quote unquote, stay home. But it's not because it's because of the choices they made. They didn't have to do that, is my point. And nobody told them and helped them in advance plan for that. And it is so infuriating for me or somebody like me who, who again, was raised. I didn't really realize what a leg up I had in this regard at the time. I know it now. Um, because to me, it was just common sense. And I probably assumed that other people were being raised with the same sort of, um, you know, messaging, but, but they weren't. And so, yeah, it's just, so when people ask me, how did you get here? That's the answer. It's, I thought outside the box and you can too, and your kids can too. And I planned ahead. And if you didn't make your kids do it, help them do it, show them how to do it. Um, this really isn't about, it depends on how old you are when you're listening to this. If you're 25, this is, this is great. If you're 45 or 55, you might want to pass it on to your kids. But the bottom line is that is the way to becoming successful. It's to not follow the culture, to do your own thing, think differently, and to plan ahead. It is critical to making smart decisions. So just to recap, Three hugely unpopular life decisions that lead to huge success. Number one, choose a career based on future family plans. Number two, marry younger. Three, don't make financial decisions prior to having a family based on two incomes. Plan in advance, think about what you want to do, and live on one income. And the email of the day is from Amanda, who writes, Hi, Suzanne. I was wondering if you might answer this question on your show. I'm the operations manager for my boyfriend's small business. I started out in a smaller position and eventually got promoted to replace the old manager who quit. I do all of the admin, manage the staff, the client accounts, and basically run things day to day. He has another business as well, but he has an operation manager there. So he's not at all sucked into the day to day. I find myself resentful of the fact that I seem to work so much while his schedule is much, much lighter. And he, of course, is has so much more disposable income while I've struggled to make ends meet. He regularly takes long weekends and even week-long trips to go hunting while I have not had a vacation in over two years because I can't afford it, nor can I seem to break away from the business for more than a day at a time. I love my job, love the industry, get paid well, but it's a lot and I'm hitting a wall. I'm 32 and I want to marry this man, but I don't want to forever but I don't want to forever be stuck with this much responsibility or be his workhorse. <laughs> well, yeah, it makes me so angry at times. Am I crazy for doing this to myself? Okay. So the short answer is Amanda. Um, it's not about being crazy. It's about somewhere. There was a disconnect somewhere along the way in this agreement with your boyfriend about this job. There was, there was stuff untouched. You know, you didn't discuss, as it was going along, how you were feeling about it and what you want to do and don't want to do. Cause one of the things you didn't write here is how did this all start? You know, what did you, were you going out with them first? And then this happened, were you doing this and then you got together and I don't have that information. So 
all I know is that presumably you like it and somewhere along the lines, it just, it's, it doesn't feel right to you. Um, it's not because he's your boyfriend. You're not just working for him slash with him anymore. And again, I don't know whether you started working for him or not, but all of which is to say, if you want to go forward, you said you wanted to marry this man. Um, that's almost a separate issue from, I guess, working with him slash for him. Um, you just tell him, you just tell him this isn't working for me. This is way too much. I don't want to do this much and then see what his response is. And as to how that's going to affect your, I mean, it will affect your relationship, but I don't know how, cause there's just too much missing information here. So no, you're not crazy for doing that work. If you like it. Um, so the question then becomes how much of this is about being involved with him versus the work itself is too much for you in your life. Cause those are kind of two separate things. If you like it, but you're just resentful of the fact that he is in a different role. Um, again, you could address that as a, you know, combo deal. You know, if we're going to be together, this doesn't feel right. And here's why. Um, or you continue to separate and not care how he lives his life because you like the job so much, you know, and, and, and separate the relationship piece. I don't know how you would separate the piece because to me, they, they go together. But I would focus more on the marriage aspect. And if you want to marry this man and he's not, I, I need more information about what's happening there and why he hasn't asked you to marry him. If you feel like you're being used, then you address that bottom line. You know, it's so important that people don't feel, I just feel like there's so much game playing when it comes to dating. This is what I'm learning, especially with the younger set. You know, it used to be that people were very upfront about what it is they were looking for. And that's what the dating process was all about is seeing and determining whether or not you guys are a match. And there's too much silence and too much, you know, skirting around the issues to see what happens. Like it's a game of some sort rather than just coming right out and saying, Hey, this is, this is what I'm looking for. And, and this person, the person on the receiving end says, yeah, me too. Or no, I'm sorry, I'm not. And then you part ways and then you go to the next person. You know, that's what dating is. You, there's no reason to spend all this time um, being quiet and hoping, you know, to see where it goes. And then you, and then meanwhile, that person's on a completely different page and you've wasted all these months, even years with somebody when you could have been dating other people. So somehow we got away from just understanding that dating is about determining whether or not you're a match and feeling comfortable saying what it is you're looking for in life. And that's part of what you do when you're dating. I mean, what else are you doing when you're dating if you're not having these conversations? So um, anyway, I hope that helps, Amanda. I'm not sure if it does or not, because as I said, there was some missing information there. But anyway, um, hopefully it does. And that ends this hour of the Suzanne Venker Show. Don't forget to continue the conversation on Facebook by typing in the Facebook search bar, The Suzanne Venker Show. Also, please recommend this podcast to one friend you think would enjoy it. And don't forget to leave us a review on whatever platform you're now using. Finally, if you have a question or comment for me, you can email me at Suzanne at the Suzanne Venker Show dot com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week.